0: You're listening to the Patriot Cause with Buck Cornwall, United States Marine Corps, retired standing guard on the Wall of Freedom. Welcome back, Patriots. This is the Gunny, and you're on the Patriot Cause. Very, very special guest today. I'm privileged, just to, to say the least, to have such an honored guest. He is the chief deputy. His name is Matt Thomas in Pinal County, Arizona. And this man, is absolutely amazing welcome to the podcast matt
1: thank you bud it's great to be with you man
0: awesome glad glad to have you so let me tell you a little bit about this well a little bit i'm talking about a tiny bit about who matt is he's a native of arizona he grew up in phoenix i'm you know i'm sorry but he did (laughs) (laughs) and later relocated to queen creek to finish his high school matt is married to his wife of over 29 years with three children. He started his career as a detention officer, a detention officer. So that's guy that inside the sheriff's office where they, you know, detain people until justice takes over. So that's like, and I know Matt knows what I'm talking about the the, the petty job. That's like the janitor of being a police officer is inside, inside doing that job. And then eventually he became a chief deputy where he's at today. Matt's current assignment is the sheriff's executive officer, serving as a second command for the agency and overseeing and managing all operations for over 600 employees and volunteers for a county that is over 5,400 square miles and has a population of a half a million people. That's a big job, no matter how you look at it. If you had half a million people like in a city, like that one city, that would be different. It would be a lot easier to, to, to work that, but he's got to go across that 5,400 square miles. Matt also holds additional duties, and this is the neat part. This is what we need to understand. He is a law enforcement trainer for basic and advanced officer training and leadership, tactics, narcotics, Mexican cartel, and several other specialty areas of the law enforcement. Having instructed for high intense drug trafficking alliances, National Technical Officers Association, National Rifle Association, along with the Gunny, and multiple agencies throughout the US, Matt has served as an expert on the Southwest border issues and the problems associated with the Mexican cartels in Arizona. That's, look, that's just part of the bio. Go to onetimenation.com one-time nation.com and read the full story on Matt. And I tell you, I don't know. I don't know how to thank this man for what he does. And I praise God. There's people like him because even the old crusty gunny couldn't do it again. Thanks for coming on, Matt. Yep. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing good. It's uh, I was, I was telling you, bud, before we got officially started, it's a little bit chilly here in Arizona this morning. And I know people associate Arizona with being hot as hell most of the time, but, uh, this time of the year, we actually get down below freezing, and um, so we're enjoying a little bit of sunshine and a little bit of cold, and uh, we get about two months of that, and then it goes back to blazing heat, so we're doing good, getting ready for Christmas. And uh, Awesome. Yeah, and uh, as you guys know, if you pay attention to the current president, the board is secure, so everything's good down here.
0: Oh, yeah. Piece of cake. You're probably sitting back, you know, drinking some beer, laying in your recliner out there in the middle of the desert, smoking cigars. I get it. No problem. Yeah,
1: yeah no problem. No problem at all. All no, I'll joking aside, it's uh, it's a little bit it's of a terrible shit a little bit of a shit show here um, in Arizona. We're uh, in Texas is really filling feeling, feeling the, the pain right now. But we we still have it going on here in Arizona. This morning we had uh, two pursuits already um down in the smuggling corridors of our county and and that's it's almost a daily occurrence for us that we're in pursuits with smugglers.
0: Oh, I can I can imagine the, the the here's the thing. The cartel, when you when you hear that word, when most of us hear that word, if we if we know at least have an idea what it is, what we think about in our mind is like the mob. Right. right? Like the old-time day mob things. But it's really not, that's really not what the cartel is. It's, I mean, it's kind of like apples and oranges, right? Yeah, yeah,
1: it is. Uh, Because if you think about the old time mob, you know, if we're talking like Cosa Nostra type stuff, the Italians, right? uh, Completely different um, methodology and structure. uh, And uh, the cartels of today, the Mexican cartels, they really function like a business. They, they have, you know, it's multi-layered. Uh, they still have a hierarchy, but it's multi-layered, multi-faceted. They have, uh, you know They have their manufacturing portions, they have their distribution portion, their sales. So it's structured much like a company. And uh, you know, in recent years, they've even compartmentalized more and more to insulate the upper echelon. And so uh you'll have compartments of the cartel that are they're not your violent killers, you know, uh hitman. They're people just performing a function as part of the cartel, but by performing that function, they're part of the cartel. Um, so not you know, not every cartel member is a face tattoo carrying right. guns and killing people kind of guy.
0: Have you seen the uh the television series called Breaking Bad, by any chance, or at I, least heard about it. I've heard about it. and I've
1: watched a few uh, episodes, but I've, I've never been able to fully dive into that one.
0: Gotcha. Well, the th- the one of the characters there is the main, what I call the main cartel guy in in the story, or one of them, and he's a very well dressed black man, you know, and his undercover is he has these these chicken stores, chicken, Mm -hmm. chicken food stores, like, you know, Chick-fil-A and so forth. Right. La Pollo Locos or something or whatever he calls it. But anyway, he's like the owner of a dozen of these stores within um, Albuquerque, New Mexico, Mm -hmm. where the show is. The thing about it is nobody would ever know ever that he was, not only in the cartel, but he's like way up there in the cartel, Yeah, you know? And I think what I'm asking is, is is that kind of like what you see? That's that a lot of times these people that are in those different, different levels, (laughs) you couldn't even tell them from, from difference between him and a regular old New York businessman. Oh, absolutely. And that's
1: part of, I mean, if you think about it, the, the bosses at the top, um, that is part of their game is to assimilate and look as normal as possible so they stay off the radar because uh, they just, you know, they're running the business of it and uh, they're the head of that business and they insulate themselves very well. Um, and part of that insulation is assimilating into what would look like normal society. And I can tell you, um, I, I know one in particular when I was in uh, charge of our SWAT team, uh, we were doing a cartel. Uh, Hit. so meaning we were serving a search warrant on a cartel house, but it was in a very affluent neighborhood, and uh, so we, we serve the search warrant, we get in there, and um, on the shell, the appearance would be a very upstanding citizen, um, very well-to-do looking, right, uh, driving very expensive cars, kids going to private schools, uh, kids... Playing with other affluent kids on club teams and stuff like that. Again, a, a very good-looking shell on the exterior. Uh, to the normal person, that would look completely normal, and uh, that's a well-performing um, family in society. Uh, when we get into the house, uh, everything cartel, right? They had uh, they had cartel. Um, there, it's hard to describe, but it's essentially a kind of a religious setup where they pay homage to sometimes real saints, sometimes narco saints that aren't really recognized saints. They have a mm-hmm. memorial set up. There was some of that stuff. Uh, there was guns all over the house. He had an AK by his bed. He had an AK in the pantry. He had an AK in all the bathrooms. Um, so he was well prepared if, if he had to go to war inside his house. And uh, the funniest part was when we're, we're outside and we're kind of buttoning everything up and getting ready to leave, one of the neighbor ladies came over, very nice lady. You could tell she's a middle-aged lady, very well-to-do. And she's like, you know, kind of asking like, hey, I, you know, I'm trying not to be nosy, but, you know, I live here and I kind of know want to know what's going on. And uh, we said, yeah, we're serving a search warrant. She's like, oh, there's such a nice family. Like, you know, the kids play together and stuff. And um, I, I love them to death. Did they you know, do something wrong? And I'm like, yeah, they're part of the Mexican cartel. And she was like,
0: what? <laughs> what?
1: <laughs> yeah. And it, yeah. it floored her. And I was like, yeah, and everything is not what it seems these days. So, uh, you know, kind of just blew her away. And, and to your point though, that's exactly, you know, what a boss wants to look like. He wants to have everybody fooled. So there's no suspicion and he can run his business. And uh, I'll, I'll give you another show since we're talking shows. Um, if you ever watched the Mayans uh, Motorcycle Club, it was a spinoff of the uh, Sons of Anarchy. Um, and so the Mayans, they are dealing with some of the Mexican cartel stuff. And there's a gentleman in there that is a uh, well-to-do businessman on the U.S. side, but is running a cartel. So, yeah.
0: So, yeah. Um obviously the united states especially with the border of mexico i think it's impossible for us alone to, eat to to even try to control any make any headway with the cartels so what i'm asking is is our communication working with the mexican government working with their law enforcement is is do they see it the same way we do or or they're just kind of just you know, playing the game. That if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, it does. Uh, and that's a it's a difficult question to answer because it's very complicated on the south side of the international border. Um, so when you're talking Mexico, you have really good people, really good soldiers, really good cops that want to do good for their country, but the cartel has such a death grip on that country exactly. that economy uh that it makes it nearly impossible. And even the best. Of, of their cops in Mexico can be corrupted because they face something that, that U.S. just doesn't understand, right? Our citizens don't understand third world problems. And, and Mexico is probably not quite a third world, uh, but they have third world problems in, in the sense that uh, uh, I'll tell you a story about uh, a Mexican cop that went bad and got busted on the U.S. side. And, and when when you're sitting in an interview room talking to him and you're trying to figure out how did you go from being a good guy to a bad guy? And he explained it very easily. He says, well, one day when I was, imagine this, if you're a cop listening to this in the U S right. Or even if you know law enforcement in your family. So I'm a cop sitting on the side of the road, two cars, pull up one behind me, one in front of me, blocking my exit essentially. And uh, out of one of the cars, A well-dressed gentleman gets out, walks up and sits in the passenger seat of my police car and proceeds to tell me that he's part of a criminal organization and that uh, I am going to assist their criminal organization moving forward. And my assistance is basically, um, I, I don't have to be actively involved. I just have to not be where they don't want me. And I have to not pay attention to things that I might be looking at. Um, And of course, as a good cop, I say, no, I'm not doing that. You know, you're a criminal. I'm a cop and I'm not going to partake in that. And they say, "Okay, we kind of figured you were going to say that. So they show you photographs from that morning of your entire family, your kids at school, your wife at work or at home or whatever. And they say, so you have a choice in front of you. You're either going to work with us or we're going to kill your entire family and you have 30 seconds to make your decision. And that's it. And so you tell me, you know, what is your decision at that point? Are you going to participate in essentially just looking the other way so that they can conduct their business? And when and the minute you do that, you're in, whether you like it or not. Or are you going to run the risk of your entire family being killed? And they're not joking or bluffing. They will kill your whole family. Um, So that's what they're faced with down there, which makes it a very complex problem.
0: Well, Matt, what we're going to do is we're going to take a break. And when we get back, let's go into your book and discuss why you know, why are you writing a book? Especially, why are you writing a book about the cartel? I wouldn't. (laughs) Maybe it's because I don't know enough about it, but I'd be just like you're talking about. You're talking about the cartel here, you know. So thank you very much for coming on. Don't go away. We'll be right back.
2: I'm gonna give you no break Not your eyes, you not giving no breaks hey, hey. Bad boys, bad boys what you gonna do? what you gonna do when they come for you Bad boys, bad boys what you gonna do? or what you gonna do when they come for you?
0: back patriots got a special guest again matt thomas he is a chief deputy in arizona The, the man is amazing what he has been through in his life what he's doing today is absolutely amazing he is a great patriot matter of fact he is a prime example of what a true american patriot is if it's not in your heart if he didn't believe in this country the way he does There is no way he'd be doing the job that he's doing because he puts his life and his men's lives on the chopping block every single day when they go out there and fight against these cartels and the drug smugglers and so forth. So Matt has written a book. The title of the book is called Interceptors, Untold Fight Against the Mexican Cartel. You can go to onetimenation.com and get it, or you can search on Amazon and probably some other bookstores but it's about the cartel. Matt, are you crazy? <laughs> Why are you writing a book about the cartel?
1: Uh, yeah, I, I've had a few uh, a few friends of mine that are like, "Dude, what are you doing?" <laughs> and, uh, I, you know, the thing is this: like, I've I've been you know fighting this battle for the better part of my career because uh, you know I'm coming up on my thirtieth year um, in in this job, and uh, of those thirty years. At least 20 of that, probably a little bit more than 20 of that, has been spent um, fighting what is now known, you know, worldwide as the Mexican cartels. Back then, they weren't, uh, you know, as as popular or famous, or you know, they 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 hadn't hit the pop culture uh, piece of it yet. Um, but the why is is uh, really twofold. Um, you know, my sheriff is a is a pretty well known sheriff. Um, he's pretty outspoken against um anybody that's really against our country, including our current administration, <laughs> um, he, he's outspoken against them and, and he and I were talk talking about just some of the experiences that I've had and, and some of the things I've done and uh, he says man these are these are just great stories that people haven't heard mm. and that's what kind of sparked uh, that's kind of you know with the with the uh, the title the untold fight that's that's what that means is, these are stories that need to be told because what happens is mainstream media, they spin this to whatever direction they need to spin it for the people that are in charge of those media outlets. And, uh, there's no spin on this. When you read the book, the book is just information. It's, it's the things I've done and the things I've seen and the things that we've faced and how we've, you know, kind of fought that battle. And, and, uh, won some and lost some. And uh, so I wanted to get the information out there. And then I think the biggest driving factor was um, I've lost friends. I've lost uh, teammates. And I, I wanted people to understand that there is, there are good men and women fighting this battle every day. They're out there doing work that nobody knows about. Uh, They're out there doing work that people really can't appreciate unless they know it. And I'm at a point in my career where I'm, I'm in an administrative position now. And so I'm not in the middle of the fight like I used to be. And so I felt it was good timing for me to start telling those stories of the stuff that I know personally and that I was involved in personally to give people a glimpse into that world. And we're still fighting this battle. So I wanted to give them a glimpse into that world and see what's really going on um, right in front of them. And they don't even know it. And what our good men and women do in law enforcement to try to fight for this country every day and, and maintain the security of, of our borders and our States and our County. Um, and, and so that was it, man. I wanted to get the stories told. I wanted to honor the people that have fought this battle. Um, and, you know, I'm, the, the whole piece about talking about the cartels I've been fighting them for 20 years and it's, you know, so talking about them doesn't really concern me because again, we've been doing this. You know, me personally, I've been doing this for 20 plus years. And so, um, I know that they don't like cops and I don't like cartels. And so yeah,
0: it's <laughs> it just is what it is. It's
1: like cops and robbers. And so, uh, um, yeah, I, I just wanted to put it all out there and and I wanted to, and if you, if you go through the book, you'll understand. Um, I also wanted to qualify myself in the beginning because I'm a white guy. Um, I'm married to a a Mexican young lady. Well, we're not so young anymore, but she still looks beautiful and young. Um, (laughs) but, uh, but you know, my, my kids, um, have both Mexican and white descent. And so, um, Her family has felt the effects of the cartel. Uh, Her family in Mexico, uh, they've been extorted. They've been been killed by cartel members. Um, And so I just, I wanted to lay the foundation in the beginning that, hey, I know I'm a white guy, uh, but I'm going to be talking to you a little bit about the Mexican culture. Um, Because the Mexican culture itself is absolutely beautiful, and I love the country, and I love the people, but the cartel has completely taken that country into a death grip, and they are tearing it apart, Um, and so I wanted the people to understand why I knew that, and how I knew that, so I could qualify myself, so I did that in the beginning by telling kind of my upbringing, uh, who I am, um, and how I got into this work, and then I go into the stories themselves of some of the operations we did to counter the cartels, and uh, what's funny is I've gotten great feedback on the book, which is it, it makes me happy because you know you you write a book and and uh, uh, by the way, if anybody's thinking of writing a book, uh, zero out of ten stars rating it uh, sucks. <laughs> it's a <laughs> lot of work, a lot of work, but uh, oh yeah, it, it's rewarding in the end in the in the sense that uh, when people read it and they contact me and they're like, they'll tell me, oh my god, I didn't even know this kind of stuff went on. And what can I do to help, man, that, that makes my day because that's what we need is more Americans just saying, like, I don't expect every American to don gear and, and get out here in the desert and help us fight, but they can support in other ways. And when we get Americans standing behind us in law enforcement and behind our military, that's all we need. Like, if I'm a, if I'm a freedom fighter and I'm at the front, that's where I want to be. And I'll do the dirty work, but I need you behind me, you know, giving me support And so uh, when I can drum that up and and tell people the real story and get that support makes it all worth it.
0: Well, it's just like in Texas. Um, I guess it was probably about five or six months ago. It got so bad that you had citizens in clubs, right? Per se that were coming in and helping the police, you know, and the police didn't say no. You, you would think you would think they would because legally wise you know that's 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 something they've got to struggle with but if if it's that bad then you you got to get the help that you that you need to to be able to to accomplish that yeah. the other question I have about the you know fighting the cartel how many actual uh you know, Mexican-born or or Mexican citizens that have trans, trans transitioned over to the United States and become police officers and so forth. Is is there like a a number or amount of that are all, all these agencies that are actually helping you guys to be able to understand that culture and ingrain? Because I know in the military you have to have a military culture, you have to have a military mind. Right. And you have to keep that up. You have to keep practicing that, keep doing the skills and the strategy. And I'm pretty confident that you guys got to do the same thing. You know, when you come in as the sheriff's department and you associate are associating with the, you know, fighting this massive army of evil is what they are. Right. You got to understand every day how they think and be able to strategize. You got to put yourselves in their place. That's exactly how the military is. We right. try to put ourselves in our in. What would our enemy do? That helps us to to do that. So,
1: yeah, yeah, and so, um, so cop work in general. Not even talking cartels. Let's just talk about beating a cop and, and working uh, in law enforcement. You're constantly doing that because. Um, every day you're dealing with a criminal element, whether it's cartels or whether it's local gangs, uh, you know, selling drugs on the street corner, you're constantly, it's a huge cat and mouse game where criminals are trying to uh, better their craft so that they can get away with crimes. And we are trying to better our craft so we can catch them at crimes. Um, And uh, a lot of times, you know, we are in it every day, And so when you're in it and around it, much like a soldier, you know, the the soldiers that are in theater, um, they're in that culture, they're living that culture, they're seeing that culture every day, they have a good understanding of it. And I'll use uh, use Iraq and Afghanistan as an example, you know, because I have some buddies that served in both, um, and they would talk about when they knew something was going to happen, because kids out in the street playing soccer, and then all of a sudden the next day, no kids, no family, nobody in the, in the streets, something's going down, right? And so they, they understood that. And uh, same thing here, you know, we, we are working and living in the society that we're policing. So you know what's going on around you and uh, you kind of assimilate to that. And, uh, and then we also have, you know, I did undercover work, we have undercovers, and so they're actually operating in the criminal element. And so we're getting that intelligence constantly fed to us so we know what's going on. Um, And then we work closely with all of our federal partners. We work most closely with probably, I would say Border Patrol is the the biggest um, federal agency we work the most closely with because it's tied into all the immigration stuff. Um, And then DEA and HSI. Uh, so we're all battling this fight and there's all of these Intel sources coming in that's it's a constant feed of daily updates on here's what's going on now here's what's going on here's and and the cartels are constantly shifting even power struggles right so you had Chapo taken out of the equation and, and Chapo Guzman and the Sinaloa cartel control Arizona uh, when Chapo Guzman was removed from power that fractured the Sinaloa cartel and they they now have infighting and so power shifts are taking place daily like Okay, now they control this area. Well, there was a battle yesterday, so they lost control of that area. Um, so there's daily, uh, it's just constant changes. Yeah, and that's that's kind of how we keep up with it, is the same as military, just processing intelligence, pushing that out to the, the men and women on the street. They make their adjustments and we just keep playing a big game.
0: Awesome. A lot of people don't know this, but this is true. Who is the most powerful person in a state. Most people say the governor, <laughs> et cetera, right? Nope, and the no sheriff. That
2: is the sheriff.
0: sheriff has yep. more power than anybody else in the state, In that the yep. sheriff of that county. Uh, the reason I know that is because I know my sheriff personally. I've talked to him, and he explained it to me. And I was saying, well, how come you guys are having problems, you know, taking care of all these immigrants that are coming in right it's right. because the sheriffs aren't doing it the <laughs> sheriffs are not working together appropriately across right. different counties so for instance we don't have necessarily have that problem in our county because as soon as they find them you know they do what what they need what they need to do to get them sent back home or, or whatever it is you know right but so being being in that department is I guess one way comforting because you other other agencies like say like the city police for instance right Right. they're controlled by the mayor basically the mayor of that town says you're going to do this you're going to do that the governor comes to the sheriff's office and say hey you you you," you know whatever the sheriff goes nope it's my job to do it sorry ain't gonna happen (laughs) you know so yeah. I mean that's that's got to be a good feeling to know that you have at least that's you know some kind of support and understanding is your support for your agency is it adequate are you are, you know equipment people would it be better to have more people or or are you can you are you dealing with what you got
1: so um let me take it piece by piece so I, I do want to say that we, Our county particularly is very well supported. Um, Our our law enforcement is very well supported, whether it be the sheriff's office or city or even uh, the state cops. Um, We all have good support in this county particularly. Um, We have what is called a board of supervisors. Some counties call them commissioners. Um, So our board of supervisors, very supportive of law enforcement. Um, We have five of them. They are constantly asking us, as the sheriff's office, what can we do to recruit more people? What can we do to make it better working conditions? Uh, what kind of equipment do you need? So they're constantly helping us. That's not the case everywhere. Most of Arizona, that, that is the case. Arizona is pretty That's fortunate. Good. We're getting a little bit of uh, California, Oregon, and Washington influx of population, and so it's kind of changing. If you paid attention to the elections, it's kind of right. changing our demographics, but. Nonetheless, Arizona overall is still very supportive of their law enforcement. Um, And we can always use more people. But honestly, uh, our profession is struggling right now with recruitment and retention. Um, And a lot of it has to do with the national narrative. Right. Um, When when you have media and uh, certain groups of people that are constantly blasting us and and, uh, spewing hate at us, it makes it difficult to want to get people to join this career. Sure. Um, so we're struggling there, uh, but we could always use more people. Um, I would say personnel wise, we're sufficient, but we would always like more because it just, it makes it easier to do the more people you have doing it. Um, and then discussing the sheriffs, particularly our, our sheriff obviously is elected. Um and so he is beholden only to the people who, who elected him. He's not uh, our county board of supervisors while they control the budget and uh, they control the county itself. They don't control the sheriff's office uh, because our, our sheriff is an elected official just like they are. And so he maintains control of his office and what direction we, we go And to your point back in uh, the, I hate to even bring up 2020 cause I hated that year, but uh, back in 2020, our governor, was putting out executive orders about every Sunday. Um, you know, he and, he and his staff would get together and they would create these executive orders that was uh, all kind of based around the whole COVID thing and masks and all that right. crap. Um, and he put out an executive order that said, you know, uh, blah, 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 masks here, masks there, whatever, whatever. And uh, our sheriff said, no, we are not enforcing that. And so, you know, we put out a, an agency-wide directive that essentially the governor doesn't create law. Um, that is just an executive order. We maintain our oath to the constitution, which overrides any governor's order. That's and correct. Uh, per, per the sheriff, we will follow the constitution and we will disregard that executive order and keep pushing forward business as normal. And so we had to do that several times. And that, to your point, that is the power of the sheriff. He can override those orders and say, no, we're not doing that. And, and many people don't know um, in our county, if the president of the United States shows up to our county, our sheriff's authority still overrides his. Absolutely.
0: Official. Absolutely. That's that's uh, according to now when we're talking about the Constitution, you talk about the U.S. Constitution, but it's also written in majority of the state's constitutions. Right. All that is in there. There's a reason behind that. The power of policing and safety needs to be in the hands of the people that are on the ground. Right. doing the job and I think that's why the sheriff is uh of course you go back to the you know the western days right nobody yeah. wanted to be a sheriff because <laughs> they didn't <laughs> last very long right they got killed quite not.
1: Not.
0: <laughs> yeah they they kind of knew who to go after if they want to keep control of the city you know so that's the difference all right yeah. tell us one more time the name of your book where can we get it and anything else about that book that the uh, that the listeners need to know Okay, so the name of the
1: book is "Interceptors: The Untold Fight Against Mexican Cartels." Uh, they can go to my website, onetimenation.com. Uh, there's links to get it there. They can go to Amazon and get it there, um, pretty much anywhere you get books, you can you can find uh, find it. And right now, it's paperback and hardback. Uh, I am working on an Audible because uh, as I started uh, releasing the book. I had a lot of requests, like, is it on Audible? And I get it because I'm an Audible guy too. I listen to most of my books. So I'm working on getting an Audible done. That'll probably be done uh, after the new year in, in early spring, and it'll be out then. But uh, right now the paperback and hardback version are out. And again, um, I I wrote it for my purposes that I already described. But what I've found is I've gotten a lot of good feedback of how much of an education it is to what we're facing down here so i would tell anybody if they want to read about what's going on down here and there's sections in there where i break down uh the structure that we see so the structure of the cartel itself how they're kind of structured as we see them um some of their religious beliefs because they they uh they float in and out of regular religion and black magic kind of religion and uh there's a combo of both that's it's it's a narco culture. So they've kind of created their own culture. I go into that culture a little bit so that, uh, you kind of get the foundation of everything. And again, awesome. I, I yeah. tried to base everything on foundation. So I wanted to set my foundation. I wanted to set the foundation of how the cartels are structured and their beliefs, and then get into how we fought them. Um, so it should be a good educational experience for anybody that wants to learn about that stuff or read about that stuff. I'm.
0: Uh, um- I'm gonna get one. I'm just, <laughs> just waiting for it to get here. So I'm gonna read it, and then hopefully, if you don't mind, I'd love to have you back. Oh yeah. And after I read the book, and then then we can talk more about it, and and you know, and you can give me a. Well, first off, you're gonna tell me what I just read.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'll. Uh, remember,
0: it'll I'm a gunny. I'm, I'm a gunny, and I'm da- I'm dangerous when you give me crayons. So you're much less a book, right? So, hey, as long as you don't eat them. Exactly. Awesome. Well, Matt, it has been a great pleasure. Thank you so much. Pleasure to go out there, get this man's book, learn about this. It's important that we understand. Also, I think by us reading this book and having a better understanding of the specifically the cartel and you know their culture. Especially if you are in those areas, Arizona, California, Texas, New Mexico, across, you know, that, that board, those border states, you'll have a better understanding of what it really looks like. And maybe, maybe, just maybe, you may be able to save a sheriff or a deputy sheriff's life because you figured out something that may be associated with the cartels and you'll be able to, to get that information and help them out, so... Again, Matt, thanks. Uh, I'll be getting back with you after I, you know, read the book and circle with my crayons. Yes,
2: sir.
0: (laughs) Have a great day and take care of yourself.
1: All right. You too. Thanks, Kenny.
0: Yes, sir.